So you guys are, uh, we are in chapter, chapter three of the story, uh, which if you do not know, and we've, man, I, got, I talked to a lot of people that either haven't been here in a while, or I met for the first time, or thought I'd met for the first time, they said, no, we come every week, just kidding. Um, we have a lot of people, new faces and that kind of thing, which is great. So if you are uh, new to us, we are going through what's called the story. And the story is an abridged version of the Bible. It is not a paraphrase. It is not anything. It is excerpt from the Bible written in chronological order that will help many of us to understand kind of some of the dynamics of where the Bible fits together. A lot of times we think of the scriptures as, as this big, like, ah, yeah, wow. And what we want to do is not to take away from the scriptures or try to drive people away from the scriptures to the story. We want to use the story to drive people to the scriptures. Because ultimately what it is, God's word is the Bible. Uh, what we do, everything we do is guided by him, guided by his word, guided by, guided by his Holy Spirit, the whole bit, man. And if we don't get ourselves into the scriptures, if we don't start reading the scriptures, guys, we are going to be tossed by the winds to and fro, whatever the world takes us. And what we want to do is, is be guided by, by, by God. Amen? Amen. See, we got this thing that we're going to be talking about. We're going to, we're going to be talking about Joseph today, but, but I want to, you know, as, we're, as you're going through the story, you're starting to realize that, and we keep talking about it, that there is this upper plan that God has, or the upper story, the upper, you know, his vision, that he's way up here, right? And we're, some of us feel like we kind of, kind of got into, born into this game where we don't know the, know the, the rules yet like we're, we're trying to figure this out so we're born into the middle of this between the between the, you know the time that jesus was here to the time that he's coming back and we're kind of born in the middle of this and here's god's upper plan and we're trying to live here down down on earth in the lower in the lower plan so we what we're trying to do is help people be guided by god's upper plan so that we can be in in, in unison with his upper plan while we're here on the lower plan so this is kind of what sin is and i was thinking about this this week because i'm weird and i'll have all kinds of weird thoughts as i've You'll, you'll figure this out. You'll be like, I don't know, this guy's kind of strange. We've got to check that out, see if he's strange again next week. What you keep doing? But you keep, but he's, he got this upper plan, right? And what sin is, is when we start going this way with God, and we say, no, God, I, don't, I disagree with you. I don't want to be part of your plan. And we start going this way. So it's really a walking away. It's not just walking away from God. It's walking away from his vision. It's walking away from his upper story. It's walking away from his, his plan. See, Isaiah 55 Verse 9 says this, says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so when we start thinking about this, we've got to align ourselves with who God is. And so we want to encourage you to continue to, to do things like getting the storybook. By the way, if you haven't gotten a storybook, we can get you one today. We got a new box. We didn't run out, right? We can get you one. Somebody hold up your stories. Storybooks, right? Anybody got them? What the heck, man? <laughs> you, were, you guys all bought like the gazillion of them. You ain't got none? What the That's awesome. And we just, we just read what's on the screen, man. Totally cool. Totally cool. Actually, that's fine because we got Bibles, man. It doesn't replace the Bible by any means. Amen? All right. So get the storybook. Kind of... Kind of hang with us on this stuff and, and read ahead of time. Like next week, like we're in chapter three this week. Uh, what are we going to be in next week? Wrong. We're going to actually do something else next week. So, <laughs> got you. Got you. We're actually going to be in chapter four in two weeks. But, but go ahead and read chapter four. Kind of get ready and that kind of thing. So we're going to kind of continue some of the things we're learning today, next week too. So 
tricked you. Um, also, come hear the messages on Sunday morning, man. You guys are maniacs. You keep coming back. I can't scare you away. I get it. That's awesome. That's how we roll, right, in New City. But if you want to, uh, you know, if, if for whatever reason you get malaria or something like that and you need to catch it online, we will have those on, back up online by Monday too. So we want to make sure we, the messages will be on Monday. So if you want to hear the podcast or we don't do videos or anything like that, do podcasts, um, that's cool. Also, we have something called story groups on Monday nights. How many people come to story groups on Monday nights? It's a really, really cool study, man, that we go dive deeper into this so we can learn what's more in this, what more the, the scriptures have to say about what, what we're supposed to be doing with our lives. We also want to encourage you each week to discuss this with your family. Now, my family and I, because of different things like Frontier Days, our first discussion was last night. So, so I apologize to you for not setting that example. We were setting that example, and it was Judy who said, hey, aren't we supposed to do this Saturday? I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. So we had our discussion last night. So, hey, we're all developing this habit, right? You're supposed to be the spiritual leader of your home, bud. Yes, I know. Thank God uh, Judy lets me do that. She reminds me what I'm supposed to be leading, right? I want you to also take this understanding and share it with other people. Because one thing that we are starting to realize is that in our little city of Edgerton, we're starting to get 130, 140 people coming here every Sunday. At some point very soon, we're probably going to need to go to a second service. We get that, you know. I love a packed house, don't get me wrong, and everything like that. But some of you are like, man, I need a little room. So. Plus, we need other people that want to come in. The other fact of the matter is that if you have not gone out to Logistics Park, I'm not, sh- not saying that you should go creep around or anything. I don't want you to get arrested. <clears throat> My pastor said it was okay. Um, here's his number. He's going to bail me out. Uh, um, you know, but it's a, it's a massive complex. The intermodal is a, is a massive complex. And I went to a, uh, the, like June 4th, went to a, um, a job fair that Flex still had out there, and hundreds of people showed up. And, and very few people from Edgerton. So we're expecting thousands of people to, like, come here, come to, the, come to this area, uh, to, to increase this area. And you know that our vision has never been to try to build a huge church. It's never been that. You know, but we've got to be thinking about what are we going to do when people that need Jesus, that need to know him more, that need to be discipled, what are we going to do? Are we going to be the kind of people that are going to be prepared for God to bring them? And that's who we are. We don't really, I mean, I'm totally satisfied personally with the size of, of our church. If God says, brings, you know, 10 times more here, fine. If he says, bring this, stay here, fine. I'm, I'm cool with that. But I want to know, I want what God wants for us. Amen? So this is where we're rolling. This is the reality of what we've got here. And we've got to be thinking about what does it look like for people to serve in different areas? What does it look like organizationally for us to be thinking? What does it look like uh, for us to be planting new churches here or there or there so that we can accommodate the folks that are coming into our area? And we've got to be able to do that. And we're going to need, some of you are going to be called to help in a lot of those areas as well. And so I want you to be thinking about those things, being prepared spiritually to take on that onslaught of people that God is bringing. Is that cool? Is that an agreement? We're going to be part of a new city, man. This is, what we're, this is what we're going to do. We're never, again, never trying to build a huge church in one area where everybody comes, but we want to spread it to where people are. And if the people are nearby, that's where they are. So our hope is that 
as you're going through the story and as people are starting to increase in our area and as people are starting to come, that you will, you will, you're starting to develop a, a worldview that aligns with God's, right? We're talking about his upper plan and our worldview is, is going in, in line with his and we're walking with the Holy Spirit all the time. And the more you read the Bible and the more you submit to him and the more you do those kinds of things and, and you, you truly honestly want to love God with everything you got and love others as yourself, you will start to see the world the way God does. You'll develop more and more of a worldview that reflects God's. And these are things like history and government and marriage and family and creation and all that kind of stuff. Because ultimately, the Bible is all about God. A lot of people think, is the Bible about me and what I'm supposed to do and how I'm supposed to act and what I'm supposed to be? It really is not. It's all about God. And what we want to do is put ourselves in line with what God wants for us. There are some themes that run throughout scriptures where you'll start to start to go through the story as well. And I want to talk about two of those things today. Two themes that run throughout Scripture. First off, and this is kind of something that came to me this, this week, is that obedience, and we're going to, through the story of Joseph, and we go through the rundown of, of Joseph, obedience is the, the engine of the vehicle of God's plan. Scriptures talk about, you know, if you love me, you will obey me. And, and God uses people that obey him. And God, you know, as people submit to him, God starts to use them. And, and so this obedience that people have, and as obedience people uh, in the scriptures start, start, start obeying God, God's able to use them in, 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 in mighty and great ways. Even though they fall and they start, a, I mean, even when they, he, he, they, even in, when they sin, even when they fall, it's like they start obeying. He's like, boom, here we go, guys. It's like they, they, they falter, they you know, they, they, they fall down, they falter, and it's, so, it's almost like as soon as the obedience happens, whack, like God's plan starts unfolding. You'll start seeing that kind of thing in the scriptures. But the second part of this, for this obedience, and this is the thing that when I start looking at the whole history of Joseph and the, the whole idea of, uh, and, the, and really preaching on who Joseph is in the scriptures, that he has an amazing amount of forgiveness, and see, forgiveness is the fuel for the engine of obedience, which fuels, which drives God's plan. You catch what I'm saying on this? You guys catch me on this? So, and, and think about it, this makes sense. I, I know people in this room that we've gone through discipling, and as soon as they forgive somebody, all of a sudden they can hear what God wants for them. It's weird. It's like, even, even like major stuff. I mean, they, they, they've had this grudge for somebody for years and years and years. All of a sudden, they make a phone call, and they say, I, I forgive you, and they actually forgive this person in their heart. And, and all of a sudden, they're like, I, I can hear what God, it's like I'm reading the scriptures, and it's opening up. It's like I know what, where his, it, it's crazy. Guys, without forgiveness, without the, somebody actually being able to forgive, and if you're holding this, this stuff in your heart, guys, there is no way you're going to be able to truly be in obedience with the Lord. And it's amazing to think when you look at Matthew and you look at Jesus' first, very first public sermon on the mount, the, his very first time he ever came out and, and spoke publicly, he talked a lot about obedience, but he primarily talked about what? Forgiveness. He talked about forgiveness. That was like very off the bat, right? Lord's Prayer, Lord, forgive us as we forgive others, right? If you don't forgive, God, my Father in heaven can't forgive you, right? I mean, this is wild stuff. I mean, very, the, like the, it's like the foundation of obedience he, he starts talking about. And at the end of Matthew, the Great Commission, he says, Go make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to forgive? No, to obey. 
Right? It's like the foundation of it. It's like, the, like if you forgive, you can open up yourself to obedience. You start forgiving, you open up, up yourself to, to God's upper plan. You can start seeing it because you're not holding on to this stuff. It's wild. God's been pursuing us, guys, from the beginning. And forgiveness, forgiveness is the fuel for that pursuit. If you're reading through the story, you're starting to realize that people in the Bible are pretty jacked up. They really are. Like, I, mean, I can relate to these jacked up people, man. Because, I mean, I know that there are a lot of script, a lot of people will say, you know, this is, these are great pillars of the faith. Of the faith. But, man, Moses, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Daniel, all of them, man. All of them had sin. All of them had these falls in the, in the scriptures. You start realizing that, that this, is a, this is not just a, a book about high principles. This is a true account of history. These are real people that really really lived and, and really did the things that they did, and God used them in, almost, almost in spite of themselves, right? In fact, he used them not just, he, he, it's like people, people did all these crazy, whacked out things, right? Some of us have done crazy, whacked out things, and we think there's no way God can use me. And, that's, and over, over, over and over in the scriptures, he does it. But don't let anybody ever tell you that God can't use you. See, we can do 50 sermons on Joseph alone, man. I mean, honestly, what we're talking about is, is going over like 13 or 14 chapters today. So do you guys, what time does, what time does tacos start? Four? Yeah, I mean, honestly, man, we could spend the next year in some of the stuff. So I'm going to hit like the gazillion foot view. I'm going to hit some highlights of some of the things that will bring us up to, this, to the account of Joseph. And so when we, when we start talking about these things, and, I, and this is not like any sermon I've ever done, so this is a little new to me, so I'm gonna actually going to hit some highlights of, of what we've got going on. So I'm going to kind of back up to last week a little bit. Talked about Abraham, right? He was told to sacrifice his son Isaac. And a lot of people will say, why would God ask Abraham to do that to Isaac? That sounds like a wrong God, a mean God, a, an unjust God, a cruel God. And yet these very same people forget to ask, why would God do that same thing for me? And so you got Abraham, you got Isaac. Isaac marries a lady named Rebecca. He has a couple of sons named Jacob and Esau, right? They're twins. Esau actually comes out, you know, is born first. Jacob follows, which means that Esau has some blessings that he's supposed to get, some inheritance rights he's supposed to get, that kind of thing. Uh, Esau basically abdicates a lot of responsibility. Jacob, on top of that, deceives Esau in a lot of ways. Jacob is Rebekah's favorite, right? Rebekah is the, is, the, is the mother of Jacob, and Isaac married Rebekah. So Rebekah is like Jacob is Rebekah's favorite. Esau is Isaac's favorite. So that's always a recipe for disaster, right? You got one favorite. And how many people were favorites in their household? How many people had, yeah, yeah, only children? Like, yeah, I sure was. I was my mama's favorite. She told me every day. How many people had siblings that they thought were the favorite, right? And some of these siblings, by the way, probably they think you're the favorite. So <laughs> I just say, but this is a recipe for disaster, right? And Jacob, with mom's help, his mom's help, Rebecca's help, actually deceives Esau out of, a, out of inheritance, out of blessing, all that, out of a lot of things. And, and really, it, out of the blessing that, that they get from their father. This is an historical thing, and it mean, meant a whole lot. And I mean, it was just it, too much to go really into. But he deceives Esau. And so Jacob grows, you know, kind of gets older. He marries Rachel. 
He starts freaking out that Esau's going to be come back to kill him, right? So he he's like, man, Esau's going to get me back, dog. I mean, I'm I'm like scared, right? So this is his brother, and uh, you know, so they they kind of meet each other later. And it's funny because Jacob sends out all these gifts, sends out all these people, sends out kind of like this force of folks, kind of like the buffer zone of before they meet Esau. And Esau comes back, and 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 ultimately, what happens is that Esau forgives Jacob. This is an important thing. When Esau forgives Jacob, Jacob is not killed, right? Because this is what would happen. I mean, you like people would take revenge, they'd kill people and that kind of thing. I'm not saying it's right, I'm saying it's what they did. So when Esau actually forgives Jacob for what he did to him, Jacob is now able to have 12 children which became the 12 tribes of Israel, which through the line of one of those 12 tribes comes Jesus. And without this forgiveness of Esau, this primary thing that seemed to have nothing to do with something down generations down the line, Jacob's line would have been cut off. The 12 tribes of Israel would not have happened through Jacob. Isn't that amazing? Forgiveness is the fuel that drives the engine of obedience, which drives God's plan. So Esau forgives Jacob. Jacob later wrestles with God, right? I mean, he's, he's, he's like, God like lets him wrestle with him, and people are like, why would God let him wrestle? You know, God could win. Wasn't the point. God's toughening Jacob up a little bit, pops his hip, makes sure he knows who he is, right? So he calls Jacob, renames him Israel, which was where the Israelites come from, which is where the 12 tribes, get it? It's crazy how it's happening. And so Joseph is one of, the, one of the 12 children that, that Jacob has. And Joseph is Jacob's favorite. And Joseph is a, kind of a snotty little brat, right, at, at sometimes. Like he's, he's like having these dreams and he's going, hey, guys, like, his, like to his brothers, because all his brothers know that he's favorite because he's got this amazing Technicolor dream coat, right? That's right, right? That's got to be true. It's got this amazing multicolored coat, whatever you want to call it. And, and so Jacob gives Joseph the special coat. He's the youngest, I guess. And, you know, he is the youngest. And he's, 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 he's uh, his, his Jacob's favorite, right? So all his brothers are like, man, this guy can't stand this kid, right? He's getting all his stuff. He always gets whatever he wants, never has to clean his room, never has to do any of that stuff. And, and, and he's got this coat on top of that. And then here comes Joseph saying, hey, bros, Guess what? I just had a dream last night that you guys are going to be bowing down to me one day. And they're like, oh, really? What a snot-nosed brat, right? Come on, man. And his brothers, eventually, they go out to, to work, and Joseph is not having to go out into the field to work, but Jacob sends Joseph out to the field one day, and he says, hey, go check on your brothers, see if they're doing it. I mean, really, man? His brothers are probably like, what are you doing, checking up on us, man? And his brothers take Joseph and throw him down into this hole. Throw him down in this pit. And one of the brothers, Reuben, convinces them not to kill him because they were all, we're going to kill this kid. We can't stand this kid, right? And they plot that they're going to take, they're going to go back and tell their dad that, oh, something happened to him. Must have got ravaged by wolves or something. And on folks on their way to Egypt, they, they kind of, they're, they're on the way to Egypt to do some do some commerce in, in Egypt, and they see Joseph down in this pit, and his brothers go, hey, man, we can make some money off this guy. So they actually sell him into slavery. 
their own flesh and blood. Pharaoh's government eventually buys Joseph as a slave as well. And as a, after a, a little bit of time, Joseph starts gaining favor with a guy named Potiphar in, in Egypt. He's one of the officials of Pharaoh. And eventually, as he's gaining, gaining more and more favor, uh, there's this lady named, uh, that, that's Pot, it's a, it's Potiphar's wife. And she comes to Joseph. I guess Joseph must be like a hottie or something. I don't really know. Um, but, you know, she comes to him, and she, that's what the scriptures say. He was a handsome young guy. And she comes to him, and she's like, hey, will you, will you have sex with me, right? And she keeps coming after him, keeps coming after him. He keeps going, no, I'm not going to do this to God. And one day she corners him, and he get, wiggles out, and she grabs his cloak, rips it off. And what she does, she falsely accuses Joseph of trying to rape her. And so Potiphar has Joseph thrown into jail. This is, this is getting jacked here, right? Like, like Joseph is must be, man, am I, God, am I cursed? I mean, my, my, my family just sold me into slavery, tried to kill me. My, you know, my, you know I'm, I'm doing a good job. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm honoring you and my work. And then all of a sudden this happens. So he th- he's thrown into, into prison. And two servants of the Pharaoh are in prison at, are in prison at some point, And they start... The, the, and Joseph is there with them, and they start having these dreams. Like the, one of the dreams says, and, and they're like, hey, Joseph, will you, will you interpret the dreams? He's like, no, I can't, but God can. So he's continuing to give this stuff to God. And the baker, he says, uh, the baker, you're going to, sorry. The cupbearer, he says, hey, you're going to live, and you're going to go back. And this comes true. And Jesus, Jacob says to the cupbearer as he's leaving prison, hey, do not, do not forget me. Do not forgive me, but he does for like two years. And if Joseph, honestly, man, had been bitter, God would not use him for what's coming up next. Because two years pass by, and the Pharaoh has this wild dream about seven fat cows and seven skinny cows, seven healthy stalks of wheat, and seven scorched stalks. And guys, we're going to understand something. Because something's about to majorly change for Joseph. And if he had been bitter and unforgiving and disobedient, he would not have been able to fulfill what comes next. See, a lot of us are struggling right now to get over our past and to have stopped. We start trusting in God to fulfill what he has promised for us, provision and all these kinds of things. We're angry, we're bitter, whatever it is, man. And there's a... There's a friend of mine here, and you guys know him well, Daniel Theopolis, who's part of the band here, right? And Daniel, if you don't know Daniel, get to know this cat as quickly as you can. One of the most beautiful guys you'll ever know, but had a horrible, horrible upbringing. And we're going to watch about a four-minute video of Daniel. Um, It starts when he's 16. And he was very, very open and honest. We filmed this on Monday, and he had his daughter with him, and he told some very rough things. And we had to, we had to cut a lot of it out, only because we didn't have 45 minutes to, to show it all. But his daughter was with him, and she knows all this. There's, there's this an openness in his household that, that I love to see. But you'll, I'll let you listen to this here, and, and we'll get finished up. Mm. Amen. Amen. 
So what you'll find out is that uh, regardless of upbringing, regardless of past, regardless of the things that, uh, guys, there is nothing that is a surprise to God. And to watch Daniel's life now, I mean, he's very open about it. And in front of his children, they all know. There's no secrets in his household. It's really an amazing thing. And so for that, that to happen in, their, in that home, to see God doing his thing and to see God blessing the Smiths, I call them Theopolis, that's his middle name. Um, it's really a cool thing to see. You know, 1 Peter 4, 12 to 13 says this. This is Paul writing, or, or Peter writing to the church, to believers. And he's saying, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come, come on you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Amen to that. It's like it's not supposed to be a surprise. I mean, I'm talking to Charlie Troutner this week, right? Charlie, we got all, you know, it's weird, man. As soon as Charlie got dunked here, like all of a sudden he's had health problems. All of a sudden he's had all kinds of issues going on, right? Just found out this last week he's been in his house for 11 years that he's been renting. He's got 30 days to get out. And he's like, God, really? You know, I mean, the, so, the, so the temptation is to be angry, but it says, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. So you guys be praying too for, for Charlie and, and, and if there's anybody that, hey, you want to buy, buy a house real quick and let him rent from them, that's cool too. See, because this seems to be Joseph's pattern. Joseph seems to be not so focused. And I'm not saying he didn't have bad days, but, but man, you read the scriptures and this guy was gangster, man. He was like, had all this stuff going on and yet still maintained focus, still maintained his, his credibility with God to the point where he, Pharaoh has this dream I was telling you about and he brings all these magicians and sorcerers in. He does all this kind of stuff. And the, and the cupbearer that Joseph said, hey, remember me? Two years later says, hey, I remember this guy and, and, and he was a celly of mine, right? And uh, man, I want to, he, he, man, he, he could tell me what the dreams were. And so he brings Joseph, Joseph brought before the Pharaoh. And Joseph, yeah, the Pharaoh says, I hear you can interpret dreams. He goes, no, I can't, but, but God can. So he continues to, to give it to God. I mean, he doesn't even have this selfish ambition. I'm like, shoot, yeah, I'm good, baby. You know, I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to do you right now so I can get out of jail. He doesn't say, I can't, but God can. And he tells Pharaoh, he goes, you're going to have seven years of plenty, seven years of good crops, seven years of of great financial gain, great, great economic gain, and seven years of drought. And so we need to get prepared, right? So, so Pharaoh puts him in charge of the entire country. This is Joseph, who was 20-some-odd years earlier, had been thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, now is in charge of the entire country to oversee these, these, uh, these, these next 14 years, to, to basically stock up on food, and then be able to sell it to other people after that. And the famine hits. And people from other countries start to come to, be, come to Egypt to buy food. And among those people are his brothers. This is like a soap opera, right? So he says, his brothers like jacked him up like 20-something years ago. And all of a sudden, here's Joseph in a place of prominence. They're probably thinking he's dead somewhere or gone or whatever. And all of a sudden, Joseph is running the entire country. And here comes Joseph's brothers who had messed him up a while back. All of a sudden, they're coming up basically begging the Egyptian government for their life. And Joseph recognizes them. Can you imagine the emotions that came through Joseph? His brothers... 
And there's a whole lot of series of events that we'll get into. But the brothers go back to their home. They, they run out of food again. Jo- Joseph's younger brothers brought back, which is actually the same mom. I mean, you know, remember Joseph had all these different brothers from different moms. This is actually the same mom. And so it's Benjamin is his little brother. And he's like, oh man, this is my own flesh and blood. They actually bring him back. Still don't know who Joseph is, right? And Joseph makes them think they have stolen from him. And he insists, he insists on keeping Benjamin with him as a result. And one of the brothers, Judah, steps in and says, you're, you're like, you know, the equal to Pharaoh, man, and we're your slaves. And if there's any way that we could bring, let Benjamin go back, I'll stay on his behalf. And basically, he just takes the place of Benjamin. So there's been this great, incredible growth among the brothers. And in Genesis 45, 1 through 11, the climax of this account. Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence? So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And, when he, and he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Man, I bet they were, right? If this was a soap opera, it would be like, dun, 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 right? And Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. He didn't say, oh, no, no, forget all that. Now he said, I'm reminding you who I am and what you did. And I do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you for two years now. There has been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will be no plowing and reaping, but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Listen to this. This is very, very mature on Joseph's part. Joseph could squash these guys like a bug, and he deserved to, right? The whole world would say, man, you should (laughs) jack them up for what they did to you. Listen to what he's saying. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. I hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me and don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all you have. And I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. Guys, there's these parallels between Joseph and and the parallels between Jesus are absolutely astounding. When we start talking about the, the, from Genesis to Revelation, it's all about Jesus. It's all about who he is and what he does. But think about the parallels between Jesus Jesus and Joseph. He's loved by a father, despised by those closest to him, thrown into the earth, Jesus into a, into a grave, into a, a tomb, and Joseph into a pit. He's sold for silver, right? He goes into Egypt. He rises to prominence in the kingdom. Uh, Joseph into the Egyptian kingdom. Jesus into the right, at the right hand of God the Father. He resists temptation. People bow before him. He provides and he saves his people. And guys, I want to challenge us, man, to, to ask ourselves, what's my part 
of God's upper plan. Because if this can happen for Joseph, and if this happens for all the people in the scriptures, then this is going to happen for us if we are part of his, his plan. Because when God chooses you, he is going to build character in you. As we are entering, essentially, wartime. Guys, we understand this, right? This is spiritual battle, spiritual war. Should not be a surprise to us. So he's going to He's going to build us up. And this is an amazing thing because we think sometimes we, I just, I just accepted Christ. I just got baptized. I just got all this kind of stuff, right? I did all this stuff, man. And here's God supposed to be blessing me, man. And I'm having to go through this crap, right? Seriously? I got to go through all this? Yes. Man, we know this in sports. How many people play sports? I've ever played sports. Some people are like, I'm too old. No pain, no gain. Coaches in your face, man. Come on, Johnson. Let's go, right? We've got to push ourselves, and God's doing the same thing. Man, I'm maturing you. I'm bringing you into my character. Because when we trust God and we're part of his plan, we have the choice of opting out. God, I'm off the team. God, I'm going to bow out. God, I'm not going to do this, man. But he is going to put us through stuff, not because he hates us, because he loves us and builds us up. Rick Woodbridge is an old bodybuilder, man. Tell me. Tell me Rick didn't have to go through some stuff, you know, putting his body through some crap to, to be able to compete. Rick, I expected an amen. amen. Cool. <laughs> Same is true with our spiritual walk. Genesis 50, we'll close with this. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, this is when Joseph passed away. They all gathered around. They said, what if Joseph, Joseph holds a grudge against us and, pray, and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. They're lying. Um, this is what you are to say to Joseph. Ask, I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God, your, God of your father. And when their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be what? Afraid. Am I in the place of God? Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Do you see these connections that we're starting to see in scriptures all throughout? It's the same freaking message, man. You intended to harm me. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then... Don't be what? Afraid. I'll provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. I'm going to close with a couple of questions. Guys, we've got several things that are coming up. Man, that I don't want us to be prepared spiritually to talk to people and prepared spiritually to, to be engaging people in our culture. You know, we've got a fireworks show coming up on like July 3rd, man. And for this, like, like we helped a whole bunch last year and stuff. But I talked to Tegan, who runs the, runs the fireworks kind of thing. I said, you guys need any help this year? He's like, man, I don't think so. But this is a great opportunity for us to go, not just to volunteer. If, it, if something pops up, I'll let you know. But, man, to go and, and engage our city and, and, and talk to people about it. we got to, I mean, and, and be prepared spiritually for that, to help people through stuff, man, to talk, walk people through things. July 18th, we've got this new city Palooza thing coming up, man. 
And it's going to be an awesome thing. We've got like vendors coming from all over. They're excited to come. It's crazy. Live music, all this kind of stuff. This guy's playing, right? This guy's playing July 18th, right? New City Palooza? All right. Need a rapper? Yes. Sweet. <laughs> I mean, if you're looking for one, all right. But my question is, man, before we engage these folks and prepare ourselves, Ask yourself, who do you need to forgive? Who do I need to forgive? Dead or alive, guys, it's not too late. Well, if you're dead, it's too late. If the person you need to forgive is no longer with us, it's not too late. It's a matter of the heart, and it's before God. Who do you need to encourage? And if you're unable to to forgive people, That means your standards, here's God's standards. Your standards are higher than God's. Sometimes, guys, it might even be yourself. I can never forgive myself for what I did. I can never forgive that other person for what I did, whatever it is. If you're unable to do that, I'm not talking about if someone has harmed you or your family that you go put yourself right back in that situation. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about it being a a true, genuine matter of the heart, a matter of the mind that you have completely given that travesty, whether you... You did it or someone else did it to you, to God. And ask yourself, are my standards higher than God's? And if they are, I need to put my life, I need to align myself, I need to align my walk with God's standard, which is perfect and holy and awesome. Amen? Is this helpful to you this morning? Is Joseph's story not amazing? Father, we love you. We thank you for what you have done and what you have continued to do, not only in our lives today, but, but in the lives of people like Joseph. We thank you for it, Lord. We thank you that you are perfect. Your plan is perfect. We sometimes don't see what you see, Lord, and yet we still just struggle with so many things with with, with trusting you and forgiving others and all this kind of stuff. And yet, Lord, you have shown such grace to us in so many ways. God, we just, man, we want to be what you, we want to be what you want us to be. And we thank you for the packed house, Lord. And we thank you for all the things that you, all the favor you've given us in our city. We thank you for the energy. We thank you for the momentum. We thank you for all that. But this is, all belongs to you, God. And if there's ever a time, God, that any of us struggle with forgiving, struggle with obedience, struggling with those, those things that you have for us, trusting in you and submitting to you, Lord, forgive us and may we honestly and openly start doing that immediately. For some of us, it starts with being baptized. For some of us, it starts with actually call, making a phone call, say, I am sorry for the feelings I've had towards you. Will you forgive me? I forgive you. It is done. And for some of us, we need to just start this, this, this time of obedience. Because God, you have an amazing thing. You've got people coming into our lives and we want to be prepared. And if we are holding on to forg- unforgiveness, if we're holding on to disobedience, if we're holding on to whatever it is, putting anything above you, God, may we learn to lay it down as we learned Isaac did last week or Abraham did last week with Isaac. 
send your son's absolutely incredible, perfect, higher than we are name. All New City Church says, Amen.